You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm super excited because I'll be talking to Brad Finney. Uh, Greg is founder of and CEO um, of Two Modern, and uh, that's the number two, and then modern.com. Two Modern is an online store of carefully curated modern furniture, contemporary lighting, and home decor. Um, and he has been running Two Modern since 2003, which in e-commerce terms is like he's been doing this for centuries. Uh, so I'm sure this is going to be a very interesting episode. Hi, Greg. Uh, welcome to the e-commerce excellence podcast. Uh, super happy to have you here. Thank you, George. I appreciate uh, you having me as a guest, and um, and uh, I, I'm excited to be here. Cool. Um, maybe just to start off, uh, can you tell a little bit more about your background? Uh, where did you come from in your career? And how did you get started in e-commerce, and how did you get to this point? Okay. Um, well, um, I right after I graduated college, you know, the internet just started to really start to take off and I was just blown away with the sharing of information, uh, everything. And I came from a creative background and um, started an interactive agency in San Francisco. And uh, we worked with the transition of, of a lot of larger companies within the Bay Area um, to, you know, online and a lot of the branding and the marketing, et cetera. So Levi Strauss and Charles Schwab and Stanford and Clorox and quite a few others. And um, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot along the way. And, and, uh, but throughout the, the course of that, after probably, you know, seven or eight years of doing that, um, I started to, 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 you know, want to do other things than just the kind of larger corporate work. And so we started doing some, uh, things internally, just creating some some companies. Um, Sendomatic was one of them, as an online invitation announcement company. Um, and then um, uh, Two Modern, we started in two thousand and three. Um, and then I started having so much fun, you know, doing these other things. I kind of, uh, you know, kind of moved on from some of the other businesses and focused, you know, the, the bulk of my attention on on Two Modern. Cool. And, and, and uh, what happened to the agency? Did you sell it? Yeah, I did. And, and, um, and uh, it was, it was certainly a great, it was a very straightforward and I, I would, how I felt to be a pretty easy business model. Um, you know, you would, here's the project or, you know, this is what's, what's, what's happening and here's the scope of it. And, and then you do the project and you get paid for it and it's all good to go. Or, or there's a retainer that's associated with it. Certainly other types of businesses that have a lot more moving parts. Um, so, you know, I think from my end, I have the habit of sometimes getting, um, bored easily and that's not a good thing. So keeping myself on my own toes, uh, is, is, is something that, uh, that I, I think I desire and, and, and Two Modern certainly has, you know, so many different things that are happening and that are going on um, and so much opportunity that uh, it was, I think, it became more of a magnet for me in terms of my attention. Cool. And, and you mentioned Sendomatic. What, mm -hmm. what was that exactly and, and, and how did, did it play out? So Sendomatic, um, we, we started that company in... 1999, I think. Um, it was really, uh, you know, germinated from the fact that we were in the design business and people would say, hey, would you mind designing some invitations for a party or a wedding or whatever it might be? And um, we thought, gosh, why don't we, why don't we just 
create some of these things online, make them really good looking, you know, designs. And, um, and then people could pay, you know, $12 and 99 cents or whatever it was, uh, to use the system and it had all sorts of, you know, RSVP functionality and, and all of that. Um, and then within, um, probably after building it for whatever, eight months or whatever it took to get it launched, we launched it and right literally at the same time within like maybe a week, Evite launched. And they were totally for free uh, with an ad model and the whole thing. And they raised, a, you know, I don't know, 20 or $30 million. And it was like, okay. And then within like a few months, there were, uh, I don't know, this was, you know, 99, early 2000 timeframe, right? The peak of what was going on with some of that stuff. And there were about eight other players. So now there were 10 players all of a sudden in this space within a course of like three to four months. So I was like, boom, like, oh, wow. And they all raised at least $10 million or more. And they all had the same kind of model of this kind of free service uh with an ad model and i was looking at going just i don't know how this is gonna work like i don't i don't see how this yeah. landscape is gonna work and i don't understand how uh these companies are gonna survive uh without really you know charging any money whatsoever um but uh eventually what happened of course is things kind of start to blow up and then you know uh and then investors start to pull their money out of some of these companies and next thing you know it's just evite and cinematic and then that made sense <laughs> so people could choose to either use the free version um you know with advertisement um and or use uh you know cinematic which had better looking designs and you know better functionality i think at the time as well um and and pay a, a nominal fee and so it was an actually a, a pretty attractive business and then over time um you know i sold out of that um as a part of my acquisition completely of of two modern Okay, cool. And and why did you choose, uh, yeah, for modern furniture and and yeah, contemporary lighting and home decor as uh, yeah as products to sell? Well, I always really loved design in general, and and I, right after college, I traveled around the world for about a year, and I saw so many wonderful things. I mean, in many aspects, but I, I saw a lot of things as well that were like, mm-hmm. wow, this is neat. Africa and Bali and in India and, um, you know, Australia, Fiji, I, I saw those really wonderful stuff that just wasn't, you know, I, I had never really seen much of before. Um, and I thought, well, God, wouldn't this be great to have this available to other people? And I actually bought a lot of things and shipped them back and I gave them away to presents to people and so on and so forth. And they all loved it. They thought it was the greatest thing. And I was actually looking into the import export business. And I was like, geez, I don't know, this, this, I don't necessarily like that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as years passed and the internet kind of started to all happen and all that, and this was early two thousands and the, uh, you know, at that time it was a lot of DVDs and books and, um, smaller items being sold um, online and, and larger items really had not been, um, you know, adopted yet as, as something that's, uh, that was a, a comfortable purchase for people. Um, so I started with just a few brands um, just to kind of see, Hey, I, these are brands that, that weren't immediately accessible um, within the San Francisco Bay area. And I thought, well, you know, let's go and put these up and, and see, you know, if people across the United States, you know, if they really are attracted to these things that might not be immediately available to them. And if they're willing to buy something without touching it, feeling it, sitting down on it, doing whatever they need to do. And, and the reality was that 
that they were, they, they were making those purchases. And um, that was really exciting to me because there was now it unlocked the door for so many other areas of design and so many other locations of design. So we started working with a lot of other uh, designers in North America, a lot in, in Europe and, and started bringing a lot of these in and being able to tell their stories and get people excited about these things that just weren't immediately available in a, a local showroom or whatever it might be. And, and that's how it really started to take off. Okay, cool. Um, so since then, since 2000, 2003, you've grown steadily and, um, but what do you think is like are like the two or three keys to grow an e-commerce business in in today's environment? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of learned along the way, really. I, I you know, um, I, I, I guess I'm one of those people that sometimes like to learn the hard way, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, I think um, early on, getting um, probably the right people in place uh, was a key aspect to, to, to growth, right? Trying to, versus trying to do it all yourself. Um, in fact, I, I probably could have done even, even more of that. Um, but I, I've always believed in growing businesses, you know, organically um, mm-hmm. versus just going and taking on a bunch of money and, you know, rolling the dice and seeing what happens and it either totally blows up or it totally blows up one of the two. And for my end, it was like, well, let's just, grow the business based upon what it's able to, to do on its, on its own. Um, and I think that that was an important um, part, at least for me, of, of being able to grow the business and learn the business along the way, because there were a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, when you look at, you know, what were some of the key components that were there, um, I think some of these things, and, and, I, and I, that's why I say I, I've learned along the way, because I, I didn't necessarily have all the answers earlier on. I knew a lot about branding and marketing, and that's good for the design business itself. So I was able to speak to people that were interested in design. I think that was a good thing, but that's very specific to that type of business. I think that in general to many different businesses that are out there and in, in, within e-commerce, um, well, I mean, quite frankly, any business, but it, it applies to e-commerce as well, is you have to have a, a solid plan in place. I mean, you have to have something that like you look at it, you can have maybe someone else help poke holes in it, but you can look at it and it really come up with an overall kind of strategic and operational plan that, that makes sense. And for, it makes sense from um, uh, a qualitative standpoint and a quantitative standpoint. And you can, you know, you can have fun with spreadsheets and like, Oh, this thing's going to go to the moon. Uh, but, but you have to have it substantiated one way or another with a plan. So that's mm-hmm. important. And then the second part of it is is making sure you have the right people in place and the right partners in place as well. Um, and again, I've learned I've learned the hard way on that um, myself. Sometimes you know you you have one person that you bring in that um, you know is someone that that uh, that requires you know a lot of uh, handholding. They're not able to do what they say that they're able to do. Um, they drop the ball a couple of times with important initiatives. Uh, that's far more damaging to the business um, than having, uh, you know, somebody who's really doing a great job over here. It's just that they're going to drag everybody down, you know, with one bad apple spoils a bunch type of, of philosophy. So um, on the flip side, uh, you know, if, if you choose the right people, and that includes, you know, not just people that are directly working with you or for you as an employee, but also the partners that you choose 
uh, as well. I've worked with you know various groups or agencies in the past um, where uh, you know they say they're going to do all these wonderful things for you and sell you on how great of, of a job uh, they will do, all these great case studies. But then next thing you know, um, you get going and you find out that it's like the most of the work is being done by like interns or something. And <laughs> and uh, and and you know by the time you kind of figure out that. Uh, you're not getting the, the, the greatest amount of service, you know, sometimes the damage has been done. So it's very important that you choose the right people. So um, having a plan, having the right people, and having the right, right partners, then from there, it's a, it's a matter of focus and execution. It, certainly a, a bad habit can happen for smaller companies where you're growing and you're like, oh, let's do this and let's do that. And let's do this and let's do that. Well, you're already just trying to focus on your 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 strategic operational plan and you've got a clear focus of what you're doing and, and that alone is going to be challenging enough from a resource capital resource and human resource just to kind of execute properly on doing that so if, if people in the organization start getting all these other types of ideas and doing these other things or you start coming up with these other ideas and you're like and, and i'm an idea person so it's a natural mm -hmm. habit for me next thing you know i've got all these different things going on and, and you're kind of like a jack of all trades master of none type situation so you want to make sure that you uh, you stay focused, do a really good job at what you're trying to do, um, and and then from there, after you complete those things, then start to add, um, you know, additional projects, additional people, um, and then map out you know that part of the plan moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's probably something a lot of people can recognize, especially entrepreneurs. Uh, it's the shiny object syndrome, right? So you have a plan, you start executing, and you get distracted by a lot of. Yeah, new things that come up. You read a blog post, you uh, listen to a podcast like this one, or uh, you read a book and you think like, oh, I, sh I should do this as well. And, and, and you keep coming up with new ideas, but it's, it's important to, to stay on track and, and uh, focus really well on, on what you plan and execute it really well. Uh, I really like that because I, I think that's, that's something a lot of people suffer from, and it's especially entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs usually have, have a vision and are creative and come up with new ideas. and are impatient as well. They want to get stuff done yesterday instead of today or tomorrow. So, uh, and it's hard to keep that focus. And I, I, I recognize it myself as well. Uh, I kind of stopped reading blog posts for that reason because uh, you just <laughs> your mind goes from one thing to another. And I, I shifted to taking that time and reading books instead uh, because they give you a little bit more, yes, a substance, a little bit more, uh, in-depth knowledge and uh, that you can actually think about and then uh, yeah in implement instead of just jumping from one thing to another with blog posts but anyway that's that's very personal cool um <laughs> so um yeah and in terms of growing an e-commerce business how i mean you've been around for a long time now how, how has it changed over the years what's the difference now um, compared to 2003 when you just started out wow well uh, it's far more complex. That's for sure. I think mm -hmm. then it's like, here's an idea and it could be somewhat of a novel idea, which is what I think we, we did have. Um, uh, and I think we had the guts to kind of go after somewhat more of a novel idea in terms of selling, you know, higher consideration items, um, online versus what was available, uh, at the time. Um, but, you know, as, as time has gone on, I mean, certainly within this business itself, there's a lot of moving parts, that's for sure. I mean, you know, it's one thing to do the design and the branding and, and all that. Well, look, it looks great. And the next thing you know, the phone starts to ring and they say, well, hey, uh, where's my 
where's my table? Where's my light? Um, oh, this arrived damaged. What do I do with this? And I go, oh boy, well, I gotta, I gotta handle that. And so you're, you're now you know, adding customer service folks and then you've got to grow out some more of the marketing side. And then you've got to, you know, deal with a lot of the production and data entry stuff. And then, you know, but then you can kind of, you know, a lot of it, you can kind of build around you, but then as time kind of goes on, you know, new technology is coming out. Um, things become far more verticalized as well, um, where, you know, people's positions start going from just general marketers to people that are really in charge of just CRM or really in charge of just, you know, uh, marketing attribution or just in charge of email marketing itself or whatever it might be. And, um, and uh, so I think that, you know, Within that, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge too to you know make sure that you get the right people that have a lot of the proper you know qualifications that also work well with each other. Um, team chemistry, you know, is is a very you know important aspect of what we do, um, and certainly integrity is a big part of it as well. So you know, I mean, so now you've got to check all of these boxes that maybe before. It was, it was, you know, because no one was a huge expert. They were, you know, certainly good enough because they had a good background and maybe you worked with them before and then you can kind of plug them into the team because they're good people and now it's all good to go. Now you have to have a situation where you go, okay, well, we need someone who's a very good, you know, email marketer who understands this particular marketing platform that we're on and has a high level of character and integrity and works really well with other people around them. Okay, ready, go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes that should, that should be easy. <laughs> yeah, right. And and now you start to do that with different types of positions as well um, that mm-hmm. are within that. So and that's just one avenue of complexity. I think something that's happened here, you know, recently is that there's, you know, become a lot more um, administrative stuff that follows along with e-commerce as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, you know, there's uh, state tax liability, which, you know, back in the day that didn't really exist as much. And so now you've got to go and file with these different places. Just talking about it doesn't even sound fun. You know, it's because it's, it's, it's not, but it's, it's a necessary requirement. I mean, you don't, don't want to deal with audits and things like that because it's a very big time consuming type of exercise to go and do that. Well, now you're, you're opening yourself to that. If you're not, you have to make sure you're playing by all the rules and all these different jurisdictions and so on and so forth. Um, And, you know, there's compliance that's associated with certain things and you got to always kind of watch your back a little bit because, um, you know, you have, you know, certainly the bigger you get, the more attention you might draw to yourself. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, you're, with that, you're going to be, you know, uh, from a legal standpoint and all these other areas, you have to make sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and, and et cetera. And, and, and so in general, I think just th- there's a high level of complexity today uh, versus where it was, uh, you know, towards the more frontier days of e-commerce. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything you would do differently if you would start over again? Well, certainly I, I, I probably would have listened to more advice from people. I mean, I, 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 I you know, it's kind of was forged through on my own with a lot of things. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, if, if there are people out there that have some, somewhere or another have been there and done that, 
Um, mm-hmm. Whether or not it's in the business that you're in that is now more online, uh, but they can add value from the overall business itself. Um, you know, business management in general um, to give you some tips and some tricks on how to you know put things into place. Um, and then, of course, on the e-commerce side, specifically with what you're doing, is also really helpful as well. Not to say that. You know, you have to be careful. I want to. I want to put an asterisk next to this too, because you know, mm-hmm. sometimes people are full of you know ideas, and for me personally, ideas are in some regard a little bit of a dime a dozen. <laughs> those mm-hmm. are the easy part. It's the focus and execution, and actually getting those ideas implemented is the challenging part. So I just want to make sure that everyone's clear on that. You have to. You have to make sure that you're getting your your input from you know very trusted and vetted sources, uh, but certainly be open to that because uh, there's no reason to be your own guinea pig if you don't have to be. Um, and you can save yourself uh, some time and some money and some hassle um, if you uh, are open to listening to people that have been there and that have done that and can really offer you some sage advice. Um, uh, certainly that, that that's something that earlier on I, I would have probably done more of uh, to uh, probably capitalize on some ideas uh, earlier and also to um, to avoid some some pitfalls that that likely could have been avoided if I if I if I uh, if I listened a little bit more. Yeah, so I should have started this podcast in 2003 when you started out because that's basically the goal of this podcast so that you can that other people can learn from other people's mistakes and 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 not only exper- mistakes but experiences in general. Um, cool. So one thing in particular about your uh, your company is you're running a distributed team. Um, why did you choose this model and 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 what's good about it? What makes it hard? Um, I mean, yeah. What are the challenges as well about running a distributed team? Because people, obviously, it's, it's one of the. It's actually the first thing that you mentioned. Uh, like having the right people is super important. Uh, mm-hmm. But obviously, they're not all together in, in an office. Um, mm-hmm. How? Yeah. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it certainly has its own challenges. I mean, I I I prefer the distributed environment as long as you have the right people in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the caveat there. So add that to the complexity, I guess, in the sense that um, you have to have uh, you know people that check all of the boxes that would fit for the position that they're in and work well with other people and all of that, but also really feel like they thrive in a more autonomous environment. I think in general, people like autonomy. People that are really good at what they're doing, you know, like to have a certain level of autonomy. Um, and um, so from our end, uh, you know, making sure that, again, if, if we have the right people in place that are, that are self-motivated, um, that uh, can manage themselves pretty well, um, can work within uh, a remote environment utilizing the um, the tools that, that you know t- from a technology standpoint um, to stay on top of what they're doing to share the, what they're doing with other people to collaborate with those folks to provide clarity into what what's going on those are that's where you know the dots need to be connected um, to make sure that there's success that's happening um, within a structured environment there are some pros that are associated with that um, I think that you get natural amount of collaboration with a lot of face-to-face and eye-to-eye things, a lot of great ideas that can come out of there. I think there's also a lot more accountability that can happen. There's nothing like looking at somebody in the eye and say, hey, how come that didn't get done, right? And then, and then being able to have that conversation. But at the same time, you have... Um, 
you know, a lot of water cooler talk. You have commuting, you have office politics, you have other things that can be really distracting. Meetings about meetings, about the meetings you just had. I mean, those types of things can become very counterproductive. And um, and so uh, it, you have to find ways to, you know, get more collaboration, make sure that you get more clarity and make sure that you have that accountability in place. So what kind of structure can you put into place from a software standpoint, from a communication standpoint to make sure that those things are ingrained in the remote culture. Otherwise, you can end up, you know, having a situation where most of your time is spent herding cats. And I've been there. I've, I've done that. Um, but uh, at a certain point, you have to uh, start putting those, stru those structural improvements in place to make sure that you're capturing the best of um, the remote environment. Um, and uh and and leveraging it to to uh to your benefit yeah true i i think well we, we run a distributed team as well and i think like communication is probably the, the, the main thing uh because you have to keep in mind that people that work uh, yeah often just from home uh they're working alone all day they don't actually see colleagues or anyone else for that matter and and uh they need you need to pay some extra attention to communication and, and giving feedback because if people don't get any feedback whatsoever, uh, they'll feel lost and they'll start doubting themselves. So I think it, that kind of stuff comes more natural in an office environment. But other than that, you, if, if you just pay enough attention to communication, I think uh, having a distributed team can be great because you can obviously you can recruit anyone uh, in the world and you're not restricted to your specific area um, uh, to find the best mm -hmm. talent. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, final question. What's your number one piece of advice for people uh, looking to accelerate their growth in e-commerce? Um, I would probably dial back to saying make sure that um, you set yourself up as, as much as you can to be in control of your own destiny. Uh, I, think we, I think when we talk about choices and what you need to do, um, you know, having a, a clear plan, having those the right people in place, making sure you stay focused and executed um, on 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 what's the biggest you know uh, you know primary goals to your success, and see if you're able to to at least get one foot in front of the other um, to where you start to prove the concept out. And at that point, if you needed to to raise capital and you felt like that was the right thing to do for the entity because you need to scale right away, then you can do that. Or if you're able to move along and keep your vision in place while you're, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of maintaining, um, your own control over everything. I think that that's kind of the, 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 the most prudent way to go that's going to be probably the most sustainable and give you the most control and the most choices over time to be the kind of master of your own destiny. Awesome. I think that's, that's great advice to, uh, to end this, uh, this podcast. We could probably go on for hours like this, but uh, running out of time, I just want to make sure people know how they can find you and learn more about you. What, what's the best place for people to connect with you? Probably say uh, within LinkedIn, um, Greg Finney, uh, too modern within LinkedIn is, is probably the, the easiest way to, to reach me. Um, I'm also Greg at twomodern.com. Uh, and that's, that's also a pretty straightforward way to go too, but I'm, I'm always happy to give people some, um, some advice, um, one way or another. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's been fantastic. Thanks, Greg. Thanks.
The e-commerce excellence podcast is sponsored by Dexter.agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.